one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode of the Force Center podcast feed is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the future of Star Wars cinema, Star Wars on the big screen. We're going to have lots of opportunities to talk about this because it's going to be a while before there's some Star Wars back on the big screen, but I'm excited to dive in. I'm Joseph Scripshaw. I'm Ken Napsock, and you know what? You say it's a long ways away, but before you know it, Joseph, we're going to be getting casting news, rumors, leaked photos that are going to take the joy away from the movie, but the movie's going to come. That is true. Time has zero meaning right now, right? <laughs> uh, a friend of mine's going to be visiting L.A., and uh, and I always think, like, he, but he visited relatively recently. I'm super happy he's visiting, but he was like, you know, it's been two years since I visited, and it's like, yeah, yeah, the, the shortest two years and the longest two years of my life at the same time. I was having a discussion online the other day uh, during a Lego build and talk about the Bond movies. And I'm a fan of Daniel Craig Bonds. I know you're a fan of just Bond overall. Yeah. And talking about Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, Skyfall. And then someone in chat points out that, uh, yeah, Skyfall was 2010. I was like, but you mean two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Skyfall 2012. Uh, sorry oh, yeah. for the, the yeah, yeah, pushing yeah. up my yeah. uh, my Q spectacles, but yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. And that was actually that was uh, that was part of the debate. Someone said Ted, and we were ta- and I, yeah, but even but I said even then, that's even then, that's ten years. Even then, that's a decade. It's ten years. Inspector, I remember, I remember the thrill of the poster for Spectre in the poster of Force Awakens being mm-hmm. uh, right by one another in the box office. That's right. Crazy. Yeah. So. Soon enough, we'll be discussing the movies, which is why it's a good time today to dive into the <laughs> Exactly, exactly, which we are very excited to do. Uh, but first, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So many choices. Uh, this week, we are once again recommending The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. It's the next big adventure in the High Republic. So if you want to check it out, you can download your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. Check out The Rising Storm and then check out our big discussion of it. But Ken, that's not all. That's not all indeed. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself this week. It's, it's, it's impossible. Uh, we have another offer, Inside Editions, a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35 off their uh, across their entire website, their whole platform, not just Star Wars books, but the special four center code to get your discount. Enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection, a beautiful addition to your collection. If you get it, check it out with the code FC35. Yes, check out that lightsaber collection, and you can be just like me, and on a random Wednesday, you can just say, I want to look at Tara Sanube's lightsaber cane, and it's right there for you. Right there. Yeah. Come on. Of course you want that. Well, let's dive in, Ken, because there's so much to talk about. It is obviously a great time for Star Wars on television, right? There's uh, multiple series rolling and even more coming. But it is kind of still a time of of unknowns for Star Wars on the big screen. We got uh, Patty Jenkins' uh, Rogue Squadron is uh, set for release on December 22nd, 2023, still over two years away. 
And currently, Disney has also staked out release dates for Star Wars movies in December of 2025 and 2027. We also know that a film by Taika Waititi has been uh, officially announced. Uh, Lucasfilm has also announced a Star Wars film produced by the MCU's uh, Kevin Feige, reported to be written by Michael Waldron, who was the uh, head writer of Loki in the upcoming Doctor Strange Street sequel, plus the long-ago announced Ryan Johnson trilogy, and even more uh, rumored, half-reported possibilities out there. So there's kind of a lot of possibilities without a lot of knowledge or information at this point. So we're going to talk big picture about uh, the future of Star Wars cinema, and then we're going to dive into those specific projects that we mostly know absolutely nothing about and speculate uh, responsibly and wildly at the same time. So, Ken, big picture, how important is it to you that Star Wars continues to thrive on the big screen? It's very important to me just in the sense of of kind of the idea of, hey, that's where it belongs. Now, we're going to get into... Uh, you know, how we watch these properties now, how it's changing and streaming, all this kind of like modern day conversations. Which again, again, we wouldn't have this conversation in 2015, right? Like we'd be like, Star Wars on T, what? Like I know Netflix has got some shit. What are you talking about? That's how fast all this stuff changes. So I want Star Wars to move and grow and change with the times. But the idea of just Star Wars, man's Chinese theater, that's shots in all black and white from 77 of the crowds lined up around the corner. Yeah, the stuff with the prequels. Uh, I, I still want that tradition to live. I still want it to be part of it. And as far as just them being in the theater, that's part of it. But then succeeding, thriving, being there is I loved, appreciated, all those <laughs> things. Uh, working on the big screen, it does matter to me as a Star Wars fan, specifically a Star Wars fan. I, 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 I I'm not a huge movie fan as much as I used to be, but I, I still love cinema and, and the idea of it and the experience, the communal experience, all that and stuff is is important to me, but specifically for Star Wars. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm thrilled that it's going so well on television, and I don't think you have to see something on a big screen uh, in order for it to be you know, resonant or work for you. Uh, but there is something just kind of different, unique, special about that experience of, you know, being in the big dark room, this uh, communal experience of laughing uh, at the same joke or or sometimes the fun experience of being the, the weirdo who's only one of two people out of 500 laughing at that joke. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's an experience onto itself. Uh, the, the experience of like you have to go back because you missed a line because it's always the line that comes after the laugh. You know, you see it with one audience and they cheer for this moment and the other audience uh, doesn't cheer for that moment and, and it does that big communal experience really drives home a a truth that i believe in that it's a conversation right what it, what's on the screen is on the screen and it's not going to change uh, but our perception of it changes as we the audience you know react to it and i still want to have that experience with that big communal experience in a dark room and also i'm so glad you just brought up right away the uh, those pictures of mm -hmm. Star Wars at, uh, at Grauman's with the lines around the block. Um, there is a legacy to movie going, of course, uh, but there's just a legacy specifically to Star Wars. Yeah. And some of it is never going to be the same, right? Because obviously when the movies were original trilogy was first released, especially that first one, they were, they were a mind blowing experience. And then the prequels was like, there'd been next to no star Wars. And that was where you experienced star Wars in the theater. And that's changing. Uh, that the, in order for it to really be this different experience, it, it, the movie going experience somehow has to be different than the star Wars that we have yeah. on our television. But I just don't want that legacy of you make a special trip to the big dark room 
Mm. And it's different for your generation, but you feel that connection to, you know, Mm. uh, some genre nerd who is wondering what Han Solo would do in this one all those years ago that you feel a connection to that same person and the connection to somebody who was cosplaying all night as Darth Maul, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for nights at a time to get in there and to just to feel that connection of legacy, which is such a theme in Star Wars. And and I like feeling it in our fandom too. Yeah. And it it could change and grow, right? I mean, now with the, the, the rise, something I I really support of, you know, reserve seating and takes a lot of anxiety that I personal personally have for going to movies. I, 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 you know, I do miss the, the long lines or me waiting outside with, for attack of the clones with my buddy on the concrete or, the, the great videos, even even the Triumph, the insult comic dog bit <laughs> is still. I still think it's an ode to Star Wars, just as much as poking fun of it, of just that experience. That has changed, right? We we see yeah. we go to the movies in even a different way, but the spirit is there and the cosplay. And now with you know, if you if you go to a movie theater where they have a costume displayed or something, and it just it all it all kind of still adds to that. And or or you know, what you and I have been uh, lucky enough to do is, is to see it and then run across the street to a restaurant. And and hang out with friends and loved ones talking about the movie you just saw. That's all part of it. And I think that's what you and I are talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think there is just, even if you end up not liking the movie or whatever, there's just something kind of celebratory about it. It's a big event. And even if you go to the restaurant and you nitpick, <laughs> there's yeah. still a little bit of celebration instead of, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, I also still wouldn't mind, you know, it's a little bit unknown what's going to happen in the future, I wouldn't mind if the big screen adventures for Star Wars were a little spaced out, so they did still elicit a little bit of that. Uh, it's an amazing treat when you see Star Wars on the big screen. I think that might mm. be a way that they could be different. You know, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you agree with that, or or would you be happy if hey the storytelling is working great? You love every film, and there's uh, two to three Star Wars films on screen on the big screen a year. Would you be okay with that, or would you still pine for that feeling of you had to wait a few years for the next one? I I would be okay with that. I, I I'm trying to remember things I said in the past. Again, I'm not just making a joke. Like this future Star Wars cinema conversation can be had almost every two years. You really could talk about it uh, with the same importance every two years. And so I remember in the past the the idea about one around 2015 2016 of ah they're they're going to do two a year. I think emotionally I I, I rebuff that a little bit like i i like the the once a year now christmas kind of tradition uh, may was big before but but now right now like here we are we're bad batches at the time of this recording bad batch is close to wrapping up you could start book of boba fett the day after and i'd be just as excited so i was just as excited for solo a few months after last jedi as i was for last jedi so i think expanding it expanding the release hey, I, i'd be okay with it yeah yeah, I think uh, I, I would definitely be OK with it. I think there is a part of me that also just wonders, like, e- even with, uh, you know, the, not the having to wait 16 years or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even having to wait two years in our very fast moving or even one year if they got back to, a yeah, we do Star Wars. We do a movie a year uh, that might be that might feel extra special because yeah, it's an yeah. event then. Yeah, and look, and, and regarding so, I, I was super excited, but but you know, there's some evidence to show that maybe others weren't, and and you know, I'm, you know I know the last coming off the last Jedi, and uh, the, I don't know if you heard that movie is dis, dis, divisive. Uh, there's a lot of things, so I don't want to just factor myself into it. So I, I I am very much okay with 
the pause right now and once a year. But I think if they were to switch up, I, I you know, I'd be excited tomorrow. Yeah. And I think it very much, we're going to talk, get into this, but I think the release so much matters. The storytelling dictates the release to me, right? You know, if yeah. they manage to build uh, something MCU like, which we will talk about, and, uh, you know, the Rogue Squadron is a series and Taika Waititi's film isn't a one off, it's a series. Well, then you're kind of, you want to you see what's next in both stories. So mm-hmm. then a little bit more, uh, we're keeping up. There's two a year because we're following these two stories. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've been talking about the industry changing. I think you're so right about how fast it changes and uh, Star Wars is changing with it. Uh, how would you feel if you could watch the next Star Wars movie on the big screen or you could pay 30 bucks to watch it at home the way Black Widow was just released? Ooh, this is a real tough question. Really tough question. First of all, I, I like the option for some folks. It's not always easy to get out to the theater. I got a couple of friends, uh, two different sets of friends who are, are, are young parents. And they both tweeted out independently of each other. Thank you for allowing me to watch Black Widow at home with a, with a four month old. And, yeah. and, and I think that's fine. And there's other people again, for other reasons, uh, not, maybe it's cost, maybe it's ability to go out. Maybe, maybe, you know, uh, X, Y, Z fill in the blank. I, I like the option now. I, 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 not everyone has a big super home, uh, you know, entertainment center with a production screen or something like that. Uh, you know, I know TV technology is a lot better and you can get better. This isn't, you know, in the eighties with a little <laughs> tuner, little TV on there. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to see black widow at a press screening, but, uh, grace did not my, my, my fiance. So we, on a Friday night went over to her sister's house and, and we, we paid for the premiere access and we, they had a big projection screen and no one in that room felt cheated. Now, could you come in and say, yeah, well, the sound is better in the theater and the bid? Well, yeah, of course. No one in that room would disagree with you. But we didn't, the movie didn't end and they weren't like, man, I, I feel like I missed out. <laughs> they loved the movie and they were there for the movie. And we also got to pause for bathroom break. So, you know, there's benefits. But but all this to say, Joseph, so sorry for my, my ramble. Mm. I've been, that night that we watched Black Widow at home, I'm thinking, what if this was Rogue Squadron? And I couldn't get to the theater. Would I wait or would I want to just experience it on that Friday night? Uh, and, and, and I think I'd say yes. And I think I'd pay for it. And I think I'd, I'd enjoy it. and But also want to get out the theater as fast as I could. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very important follow-up question. Mm-hmm. When you were watching Black Widow, was there a person behind you uh, snorting uh, constantly throughout the film? No. Which is another thing. I'm generally a nice guy who enjoys the human uh, experience. Theater, I am not, uh, outside of my old job, I've never been in a fight. Been a lot of fights in that job. Not I, the last time I saw Rise of Skywalker, I stood up and got someone's, in someone's face towards the end. Because of that kind of thing you're talking about. They were they were talking crap about Daisy Ridley. And I just, <laughs> we were all filing out and I just, and they were probably too young for me to swing. But like it was just like, it brings up tension. So this is a Ken therapy session now. Yeah. There is some great joy. I'm sorry. I have great anxiety about going to a theater. The communal experience that I do love. I also spent half the movie with my fist clenched going, please, no one do something stupid. I just, please, please let me enjoy this. I think what's fascinating to me about it at this point is it is like a Jedi adventure of like you have to go forward and accept that in order to uh, get all of the wonderful adventure and the wonderful community, you have to accept the risk. You have to accept that there are things you can't control. And, you know, my wife and I 
return to the theaters for the first time, uh, you know, in since this uh, uh, very difficult time began. Uh, and we saw it at Grauman's and it was amazing and people applauded and it was just it was emotional to be back in the theater. And then there's just some human behind us who had never even heard of the concept of blowing his nose <laughs> and, and had perfect timing for every uh, punchline, every moment of silence with a big just suck. It. I'm not even going to fully imitate it. But, uh, you know, uh, so there I, I think for this question to get back to it, <laughs> uh, there's obviously perks to watching at home. I think. I like the choice and I would yeah. always choose to take the risk and go see it in a theater. Um, yeah. And there are, you know, obviously the uh, risks to it like that. Uh, Cause I want that big communal experience. I want it to feel like I am going on an adventure to see a star Wars, but I see nothing wrong with the choice. Obviously the whole, the great discussion, the financial models that's changing literally as we speak, the analysis of whether or not it's working for black widow is Literally, as we're recording, by the time we release this podcast, there might be a different verdict. The whole financial, does it work as a model? All that stuff is mm -hmm. up for debate. We're talking about just personal preferences, uh, not making any big predictions about the financial reality of it. Um, and for me, I just I do love the choice because, yeah, there are absolutely people who are like got a kid, can't go to the theater. Don't it's not, you know, for lots of different reasons, giving that option to just include more people being able to see it and then you, you don't get it spoiled for you you get to be a part of that conversation i think that choice is really nice yeah and and, and for the record i'm always going to take the risk of seeing a star wars movie i try to mitigate the risk i'm that dude that sits in the back row far from everyone just leave me alone but no i'm always going to take the risk for star wars but the choice is important and i think we're again it is it is Having to look at new the, the the new normal is is big for me. Like I, I, you don't hold on to the normal, hold on to the new. And and it isn't 1991 where you're like a movie at home. What? No, you have better options. It, it, the reality is it's cheaper. Thirty bucks for four people to sit at home with some food. You know, some order in some food is probably two hundred dollars cheaper than a movie night. You know, which is just sometimes the reality. Yeah, and there and yes, there's a. There's a good possibility that by the time Rogue Squadron comes out, this is a laughable conversation. It's just been settled. Yeah. Either, of course, we're going forward with that, or of course, that was just for the pandemic. Of course, that's not a, like right. it'll probably be settled one way or the other quite definitively. I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> by the time Rogue Squadron comes out. But uh, but I am really intrigued by it. And I do like wonder, w would that have helped Solo? Mm -hmm. Um because a lot of people uh, that I just spoke to anecdotally and I saw on social media were like, look, I just took my entire family mm -hmm. to uh, two MCU movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or whatever it was that was all coming out then. It's like, I literally couldn't, I had to choose. Yeah. And I couldn't do the whole pay for parking, take four people, popcorn, soda, mm -hmm. you know, candy. Uh, but I could have paid 30 bucks for a Saturday afternoon. You know, yeah. it might've made, it might've helped solo. Yeah. It might've helped. And I'm, and I'm okay for that stuff. You know, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna hold on to some, some way that, that is outdated or doesn't account to other people's uh, experiences or what their ability to create their own experiences are. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the old specter of the MCU. We got uh, rogue squadron coming out next. It seems like Lucasfilm, you know, is perhaps trying out uh, what I would call an early MCU approach, uh, release one film. And if it works, if there's appetite for it, then you build to the sequels uh, rather than just going for it and saying it's the Rogue Squadron trilogy. Uh, here is a quote 
from Kathleen Kennedy from a December 2019 interview in the LA Times about not necessarily doing trilogies. Uh, she says, I think it gives us a more open-ended view of storytelling and doesn't lock us into this three-act structure. We're not going to have some finite number and fit it into a box. We're really going to let the story dictate that. So how are you feeling about it? How do you feel uh, uh, when you're brushing your teeth and dreaming of Rogue Squadron <laughs> about the idea that this film might be just, hey, does the story by the time it's told feel like there could be another? Is there appetite for it? How do you feel about that? I am really excited by that possibility. Again, talking about what is in the past, what is tradition, trilogies in Star Wars is, have just always gone hand in hand. And, 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 you know, Rogue One and Solo come along and, you know, that's that's the end of the Star Wars standalone story, we think, right? <laughs> that whole branding, that whole attempt, and, and, and that's a whole other maybe conversation. But now that we're, we're we're past nine, and I'm I'm glad we got nine. I'm glad we got a, a sequel trilogy, prequel trilogy, original trilogy. I, I'm really happy with that. We don't need to be we don't need to be beholden to that anymore. We just don't as a franchise, as a fandom. Let's see where we go. Let's let some things breathe. Let's not overcommit. Uh, let's let's figure it out and, and see what's there. I think it's just smart, and uh, you know. Yeah, the, the lights go down on uh, lights come up after the end of Rogue Squadron, and 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 we all think more, more, more. I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and survey us and make okay, okay, okay. They want more. They want more. <laughs> they'll know, and they'll know as creators. They'll know as producers. They'll know as a studio. Yeah, what we have here uh, uh, can go forward. We yeah, we don't have to, but we want to. Yeah, I think it just makes good business sense uh, for sure, just in in the way that the movie business uh, works right now. And I think it also makes creative sense in terms of just a, having a sense of exploration of does mm -hmm. this story feel like it wants to continue? And, and yeah, absolutely. A part of that is audience response in terms of, you know, voting with your dollars. Um, mm -hmm. But I also just like that sense of does this one really feel complete? Because if you just release one film, it's not as boxed in as saying like, this is a Star Wars story. It is a one-off versus this is the next major trilogy, which that yeah. branding really did set up of like, we got the trilogies, we got the main event. And then we have these fun little side things. And I like that this seems to be somewhere in between of like, this is a Star Wars film and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. 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 Sorry. You know, I'm not super, super familiar with the inner workings of a lot of how the MCU was built and everything, you know, but I, I remember sitting in an Iron Man and, and not knowing that it was a quote on lesser of a superhero. Right. Remember that was a little bit like, well, they're going, they're doing Iron Man. Um, but that movie pulled me in. And then, and then the first ever end credit scene I ever really remember investing in. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. We're going to, Oh, okay. We're, we're, we got more. And I, as someone who just is a kind of an MCU, uh, you know, simpleton, it really worked for me. And if, if you can, you know, that's why I think that's what I'm saying with the Rogue Squadron. They, they're not going to wait for the audience response necessarily, but they're going to know. They're going to know that we got something as creators and they're going to have fun going forward with it. And then later on, 11 years later, you can be like, oh, we're going to have a Black Widow movie that you didn't think you, you'd get or want. And now we got it. Now you got this movie and it, you, know, you can go where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this a little bit, too. But I, I wonder also if it is a move to... Um to wrestle with the the expectations of a Star Wars movie, right? If you release a trilogy and be like, this is the next behemoth of Star Wars, it must match the huge amount of success of the trilogies because this is the next trilogy. A huge uh, part of the success 
of that first phase of MCU is yeah the 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 tease at the end with Nick Fury of the Avengers initiative and like I I still viscerally remember that that saw that with the two old friends did comedy with forever who were just like me old school comic book guys my wife saw it and with us too and she was shocked to like it and we were all just like but you see they have the rights now and they could just do this <laughs> they could just do a, a Captain America movie and then a Thor movie and they could all know each other and then like and that just that utter thrill of that open-endedness and you know what those next couple films needed to do is not face plant yeah which is so different than star wars because the bar is set so high and a part of me wonders if this is also to just kind of calm down those expectations i yeah i, th- I think that's fair i think that's i think that's absolutely fair uh because you say don't face plan and so, you know i remember iron man 2 I mean, if it didn't face plan it tripped uh, did great financially, but it yeah. certainly uh, had some some uh, fights at the <laughs> with yeah. the reviewers, you know. Yeah, yeah, you be you know what I mean. Like, like it was. So I think I think Lucasfilm would be smart if there's a little bit of uh, we understand what we have. You know, they're not in a bubble. They know the pressure on all the films. They know that's why they made some decisions. That's why I believe Kenobi's a a, a TV show in part. Uh, I think a little bit of they saw the they saw the future of streaming, and, and as did a lot of people, but also like. You know, Ewan's walking the red carpet at Solo for a reason. Uh-oh, uh-oh, let's, let's, let's figure this out. And it's smart to say, let's figure it out. And let's not, let's do what we can to mitigate expectations and the pressures of each of these uh, films we're putting out. Yeah, yeah. If they do in the, the film world, do a little bit more of that MCU model of like, well, let's try this out. And if it works, we'll build on it. Is that too similar to what they're doing with Disney Plus right now? Uh, no, I mean, it might be, but I, I, maybe I just don't see it as a problem. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, again, I don't know. I, I don't know when they said, uh, Hey, book of Boba Fett, who, who wants to do that? I don't know when, I don't know who said it. I don't know all those details. I have intentionally avoided almost anything around that show. That was a surprise, right? Yeah. One surprise. And it seemed to be an organic surprise. So, you know, uh, to, to see it on the big screen and, 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 uh, you know, we're going to talk about it, but like you touched upon it up top. I, idea what rogue squadron's about Not yeah whoa other than airplanes on, in space <laughs> jet fighters in the galaxy so they they have me by my, my expectations are wide open i guess you know uh, it's uh, i know that's just me but uh yeah so if they take the uh not to get off track here but yeah if they're taking the tv approach I, I think it could work yeah yeah and and i feel like if it mirrors a little bit the sense of development on disney plus then i think it's just kind of a sign of of natural change and evolution and audience expectations is Mm -hmm. this is the best way for you know a a big creative entity to sort of dance with the audience is kind of we're going to put something out we really believe in creatively and then we're going to take it one step at a time and and be organic and responsive yeah yeah Speaking of the complete opposite of organic and responsive, <laughs> do you ever wish that they had just announced like, yes, uh, we're doing a trilogy. We're do- It's not the Skywalker saga. That's done. But we're doing a different trilogy. And it's a, it, the tradition continues. Star Wars is really special on screen because it's these big, epic trilogies. Do you ever feel yourself wishing that there had been a trilogy announcement? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dan and Dave, whatever that was going to be, Old Republic, whatever it might have been, Dawn of the Jedi, I don't know. That just seemed like a big story where I could get behind it. And I still, by the way, could get behind the idea of of uh, of a trilogy, uh, a Rogue Squadron trilogy. If they had said that, Patty Jenkins is leading the Rogue Squadron trilogy. Yes, right? Sign me up. Uh, but again, 
we have a Star Wars podcast. My room is full of Star Wars stuff, so <laughs> I get it. But yeah, I think specifically to that, and and um, not necessarily specifically to Dan and Dave, they're long gone, whatever. It's, but like whatever that was, just seemed like a giant story to tell. So it just made sense to me. So I, I'm still open to that because I want Star Wars to feel that big, right? Yeah. Like, the, the, the TV show stuff, we know, we know limited series for for Kenobi and maybe the other ones, but like. I felt I felt that with Mando, I think, yes, they already had season two planned, and I don't know all those inner workings, but it's like, I think they wanted to, to you know, if Mando had flopped, if people were like, nope, and a grow what now, and a baby what now, if it had flopped and the volume didn't work on a on a bad level, <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know if they would have got a Mando too. Uh, yeah, you no, know, I just don't know, and I, that's just that's the way it is. I always try to cite the example. Game of Thrones did not know it was gonna. They had to wait to renew every year for the first couple seasons. But hmm. everything HBO wasn't like cash cow. They had to wait. They had to wait until finally about season three or four. They're like, I guess this is sticking around. So <laughs> I don't, that's okay with me. That's okay. Yeah, this seems to be selling some Funko Pops. All right, mm-hmm. we'll move forward. Yeah, I, I think for me on the trilogy thing. Uh, I think that I, in some ways I'm much more engaged by the, Ooh, it is something different. The world evolves uh, creatively, financially, what's going to be something next. I think I still just feel this strong pull to, uh, I would love to see not, not just old Republic, but very specifically Jedi Sith war trilogy right on screen. Um, And I think for me, the, the power of that is, that's huge and epic. It might be the kind of thing that Dan and Dave were going to play with. Um, but I just think in terms of the the struggle with Star Wars is, uh, I think, that balance of the old and new. Uh, it is baked into the actual story of Star Wars, the generational the yeah. thing, the contrast between this is the freshest thing you ever saw, and it's uh, in 1977, and also it is built on myths you've heard a thousand times. That, that tension is always a part of Star Wars, and it's been such a part of the fan conversation of what is too much calling back to old things. Even on Bad Batch, what is too many char- familiar characters showing up versus we want something new versus if it's too new, you go back to the prequel yeah. kickback of like, this doesn't look like Star Wars. This doesn't sound like my Star Wars. So there's always that balance. And I guess for me, the Jedi and Sith is like, look, it's familiar. They're Jedi. Mm-hmm. They're Sith. There are green and blue lightsabers. There are red lightsabers, but there are hundreds of them and they're fighting. Mm. You have not seen that on the big screen and you haven't seen the the ideology of the Jedi who were very clear, like, yes, we have to fight this war. You, we haven't seen the ideology of Sith before the rule of two. I mean, I know we have in, in books, I'm talking yeah. big screen. So there, to me, I think I just get so excited about it because I feel like it, is this perfect balance of old and new. It is, you know, something that longtime Star Wars fans would be passionate about. And also, you know, if your uncle, who's just never got around to watching any Star Wars, but kind of knows it, would be like, eh, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, yeah. <laughs> there was a bunch of Lukes and a bunch of Darth Vaders and they all fought. And your uncle would be cool. Yeah. That would be it. And you get it. Mm. Yeah, well, again, I think that ties into what I'm saying a little bit of just like, Star Wars is is giant. It's epic, and you want to have that feel sometimes. And I think that's why I'd be on board. And, and, and by the way, it's like you, you we're talking about, you know, the Jedi Sith Wars type of idea. 
I almost wonder if that should uh, explode past three films, right? Like, give me five, give me ten. It it could work. Uh, It could work like that. And that could be the next uh, 15 years of uh, Star Wars cinema if they were to try that. Yeah, and maybe it's right around the corner. Uh, but yeah, thank you for letting me uh, ramble about it. I'm very happy with what's coming, but I'm I'm just very fascinated by those possibilities. Uh, you you mentioned this, and I think it is a big lingering question for the big screen. Do you need every story to be epic? You know, Solo was smaller in scale, uh, and for some people, that was you know a, a thing they disliked about the film. Is it felt like you know there was the critique of it, it felt like a, you know a really great arc of Clone Wars, but mm-hmm. you know. Was it epic enough? Where do you land on that? I totally understand that conversation as it relates to Solo. I, I, I absolutely feel. I, the lights came up at the end of uh, the first time I saw it. And I looked around me and, and me and Mark Ellis were smiling ear to ear. Everyone else was like, what, what, what was at stake? Do we know, need all those things you hear? We didn't need that story. And, and God bless them. And they're all valid opinions for them and everything. But I was fine. But I think in the end, looking back, I'm like, yeah, it did feel just this fun kind of carefree adventure of these two friends starting out. It also doesn't have, it has, it's somewhat open-ended, right? In a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of left you wanted for more, but uh, yeah, so I, I think it's fair. I don't know exactly what Epic means uh, other than you just, you know, you feel it. Uh, and I don't think Solo was ever going to have that. Uh, and, I don't, and, I, and I think you do now. I, I think it needs to, whatever that whatever that ingredient is needs to be present in the films, especially because you got the the TV side going. Yeah, I think where I come down on it is, you know, obviously I, I absolutely love Solo, and that is not a that's not a it's a criticism that is relevant to uh, to people who feel that way, and I respect that, but it just makes no impact on me. I was yeah. uh, I was totally invested in the character journey, yeah. uh, and that's what I think is really important for me is. I want the stakes to feel high, but with great storytelling, the high stakes can be the world is going to be destroyed, obliterated. Everyone you know is going to die or your favorite character isn't going to win the spelling bee. (laughs) What matters is how good the storytelling is, right? And how much you need your character to succeed and, and how much you fear their failure. You know, that is what is important. So I want the stakes to be high from the characters and I think they were in Solo, I understand what, where for some people it might be like, but I know what happens to him. I know he's going to be okay. You know, that kind of thing I know affects people. So I think something like Rogue Squadron might be really powerful because, you know, the, st- the galactic stakes might not be huge, but we, don't, we won't know those characters. We won't know their fate. So we can really pull for the stakes being high for those characters. You know, what if it is a really small story of, uh, you know, there's this one particular planet uh, that keeps getting raided by these pirates. You know, it's not galactic stakes, but it means everything to these pilots to stop those uh, pirates from raiding that planet. And if the stakes are through the roof for the characters and the characters could die and could fail, then I think all that's the the stakes are high and then make the spectacle big. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the volume's going to keep getting better and better. You're going to keep being able to do more and more impressive stuff. Keep the big screen one step past that make the action big make the spectacle big and that's what i care about high stakes for the character big spectacle it's good for me on the big screen yeah and i wonder if there's just that little psychological thing because we're seeing it we we heard it was solo uh even going back to the prequels by the way we already know what happens and even now black widow i I bring it up again because i loved that movie 
seen twice already. I don't see MC movies twice. I don't. I love them. I have a good experience. I've seen a couple of them twice. I've already seen Black Widow twice. I'm ahead of my pace. Uh, <laughs> and yes, we know what happens to the main character, but I, I, I love the stakes. I love the building blocks. I love the character study stuff. And I get that it doesn't work. And it's for, for everyone. And I, I think you touched on something there, Joseph, just like that little psychological uh, tweak of anyone here could die. So you don't really know. It just, it does maybe work for the general going, you know, movie audience. Uh, we didn't, we knew Solo wasn't gonna die. We knew Chewie wasn't gonna die. We knew Lando wasn't gonna die. Kira's the only one. L3, we oh, okay, L3, you know, I get it. I get where that comes from. So maybe you're right. Maybe Rogue Squadron just inherently will feel bigger because we don't know. Yeah, maybe just, yeah, the stakes will feel higher. So it will feel more epic, even if the actual stakes of the plot aren't, you know, the whole galaxy hanging in the balance. Fighting over, you know, jet juice. Uh, <laughs> you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just who's going to win this race. It's an old Elvis movie. Yeah, and I want to be clear, like I'm not I'm not doing like a push my glasses up like well I loved the character development of Solo if you didn't. Like I don't mean it like I I I totally get it. I've had several conversations, but I've also had several conversations with people who didn't watch Solo for those reasons, watched it now and they're like, "Wow, I can't believe I missed it." Yeah. So, uh, it it goes goes all all kinds of directions around that. Yeah, and I think another element of that is just good, bad or otherwise in general, we are starting to move toward continuing stories where mm-hmm. one individual chapter is its own chapter. It's a complete meal with a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it connects to the larger story, not just in kind of like the tapestry, but literally the what happens next. Even on just normal television, we, except for a, a couple things on, on network television, mm-hmm. we've moved away from episodic storytelling, right? Where it's just oh. like, yeah, no, the character's not going to change this week. They're just going to have one of their other adventures. And you like those adventures, so you're going to see another one of them. Like, yeah. especially for the big screen, we're really moving away from that. And I think that was another thing we heard about Solo is like, yeah, but he just had an adventure. Like, I guess it was his first one. He right. met Chewie. But it was just an adventure. You know, what does it mean for the next Star Wars movie? And yeah. even the MCU movies that are smaller have now, I think, got a lot of people really excited for. Cool. That great. That Ant-Man and the Wasp changed this way. But mm-hmm. their adventure means this, this, this and this for the other eight movies. And, and I'm yeah. very curious if Star Wars goes in that direction of making each movie feel important because it's a chapter of a bigger story. Yeah, it's the connected argument, which is sometimes bigger. And I, I've, I've rebuffed in the past. I don't necessarily, you know, but but. It, it's work for MCU in what you're describing where I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, it, it's connected, you know what I mean? But it's like not this great big plan and everything and all that, but it's just like my, the cynical side of me with MCU movies says, yeah, I watch it. It's fun. It's got some big explosions, set pieces. And then I wait to find out at the end, what's, what's the commercial for the next movie. That's, that's when I, if I break it down cynically uh, and, and, but, but really it's working and that's the conversation. You come out of the theater going, okay, okay. But who was that guy? And And, and what did he do? Not going, well, I enjoyed the uh, intimate uh, uh, discussion uh, and look at family trauma and forgiveness. You know, that's you and I on a podcast later. <laughs> um, so I understand why coming out of a Star Wars movie, if it's, you know, <laughs> you and me going, but the 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 fuel represented change for the galaxy. <laughs> Hope and, 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 you know, I understand and I stand and I think uh, it'd be okay if Star Wars, and I have to say it to myself, Joseph, it'd be okay if Star Wars just goes, hey, we're going to let you have, not necessarily post credits, we're going to let you have have those conversations that maybe feel a little more uh, rewarded. Yeah. And, and uh, not to turn it into an MCU podcast, but I just, I appreciate balance in many things. I like uh, continuing stories, uh, serialized storytelling. 
and I really like episodic storytelling and uh, yeah, I'd be fine with a little bit of a, a balance. It's a, one of the things that yeah. I like about Solo is it's definitely a chapter in a story because, you know, Han's, Han's story continues and, you know, these movies called Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so it is a chapter in a saga and it absolutely could have been the beginning of, of a whole Solo uh, criminal underworld uh, trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of things about Solo that make it not just this episodic story. But if that's all it ever was, I would still enjoy it for what it is. And for me, the MCU is uh, it's this unique thing that evolved as its own thing. And now that it's popular, then that, you know, influences everything else. But, sure. you know, uh, the, those post credit scenes, I think, just evolved from the, the amazing thing of MCU is they're, they're adapting comic books, which have always been serialized. Yes. And the only downside to me is if culturally we'll only talk about the what's next mm-hmm. i don't want us to move on from the meal we just had i want to spend some time maybe yeah. we'll just do a, a special black widow episode of four center <laughs> <laughs> we talk about family trauma and forgiveness and yeah. the, the responsibility of superhero fame my favorite theme in that film yeah, i love yeah. it so much so interesting yeah. um it, yeah and, and but i think women taking control of their own narrative and story is important yeah a lot of things to chew on in that Yes, the concept of uh, can pain move you forward, all sorts of great stuff. Yeah, and I think that that's the only thing that ever gives me pause because mm-hmm. yes, those those uh, the setup for the next adventure, it's an organic part of what those movies have always been. It's not cynical; it is it's what it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it does to me risk people only wanting to talk about what's next and not spending any time digesting and talking about what we just experienced. Yeah. It's the top 10 Easter eggs in this movie and it's awesome. Great. But what does that mean for anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, star Wars's unique history. MCU has this unique uh, ongoing history that is going to affect everything. Uh, but star Wars, you know, it's uh, one of the most successful movie franchises ever. Uh, it has endured very very bad reviews uh it has endured uh actual financial stumbles at the box office the the clone wars film uh solo not reaching expectations and having a higher bar to clear because of the reshoots uh and even when a film is successful the bar for what counts as a financial stumble is now for star wars ridiculously high uh, the rise of skywalker arguably disappointed disappointed by making only a billion dollars uh so all of that is to say ken in in this very heightened world what does it take for star wars movie to be successful and by whose definition how do you have a successful star wars movie right now (laughs) it's a great question i i i i don't know it might need to be and i don't know if rogue squadron or taika waititi i don't know i don't know it might be this phantom jedi sith wars film franchise we want here I sometimes think it needs to be a little bit of what the the, the first Lord, three Lord of the Rings films did, which is showed up with something completely real, but its own wonderful fairy tale, you know, fable like world. And it got the world excited. It was everywhere. And then it and eventually, eventually, and that's the key word, eventually, by Return of the King, wins a bunch of a bunch of awards. I think Star Wars has gotten so far, I think the bar is so ridiculously high. It needs to win Best Picture and make $3 billion. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, well, that's uh, that's going to be, I'm sure, just write that down on a board of like your to-do list. Uh, write a great 
a compelling story that that comes from a place of honesty from the the filmmakers involved. Be sure to make three billion dollars. Don't forget that one. Don't forget that. And also sweep the Academy Awards. Yeah, make three billion dollars across all markets around the world, uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, uh, you know, get a, get the special vote from the Academy that hates fantasy stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of fascinated with that of like, if you wanted to be the most cynical possible and say, let's create a Star Wars that panders, mm-hmm. how would you even do that? Right. Because oh. it's like there are people want fans want many, many different things. Right. And you can create a film that's really uh, honest from the heart from uh, filmmakers and it could land great reviews, but then maybe it doesn't land with the audience or maybe you get something that has a huge audience score and has really mixed reviews and is never going to win any awards. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a hard goal to hit. Yeah, I, look, I'm breaking this down very generally, very generally, but some of the conversations, wh- where are all the uh, uh, pre- original and prequel trilogy aliens? We got a bunch of new ones here in the sequel trilogy. Why, why is it, why is it Holdo? Why, why is it Akbar? All, all those conversations we've had for the last five years, right? Then comes Mando and the Bad Batch. And hey, here's that one person you know. Hey, here's that other planet you know. And what are we hearing now? Too small of a galaxy. <laughs> oh, it's just a nostalgia trip. And some of that may be true, some of it not true. But it, it, my head spins. My head spins. Yeah. Well, and, and, and maybe that's a part of it is maybe, you know, everybody has legitimate right to have things they don't like. Right. But, you know, are, are we as a larger community focusing too much uh, on the negative? Either ourselves expressing... Mm-hmm. Yeah. the negative things, the disappointment, or are we elevating the things that are negative, you know, because that's a natural thing to do. You know, I think it's another, yet another great uh, Star Wars in the real world. Like, is it going to help you to quote tweet that angry opinion and fight back, you yeah. know, or is it only going to elevate the anger? And this is a classic Jedi sitting around in the council going, should we intervene in that? Or will we actually just exacerbate it if we do it? Or should we just be passive yeah. <laughs> and let it go, you know? Yeah, knowledge and defense. I I, I tend to go that way, obviously. Um, but I, I because I think initially I did fight it, and 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 it it left me it left me angry and empty. Uh, I don't know. And, and but and there was one thing uh, I I mentioned you know, again bringing up the bond stuff. We've been talking a lot about that uh, here on on the show. I've mentioned a few times now because I'm in the middle of a of a Daniel Craig era Bond rewatch very slowly over the course of cardio sessions at my house. <laughs> Uh, and, and how the, the general consensus, it's always kind of been a thing, but it's so much powerful now where a weird general consensus comes up. That movie's bad. Solo was an example of that. That movie's bad. Why? Well, did you hear about the reshoots? Did you hear they fired those directors that we all love, whether we hear things about them or not? Did, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear that, that they should have hired the YouTuber, not a trained actor like Alden Ehrenreich? <laughs> and all that turns into this general consensus. And I think sometimes, you, you know, then, then it colors the opinion of the film. I, I, I maintain that Quantum of Solace is way better than we were told it was at the time from the general consensus. Not saying it's better than Casino Royale or Skyfall's not better. I'm just in the middle of a rewatch and going, yeah, hot damn, I do love this film more than I told myself because I came out of the theater and was told by the ether that it's not as that it's bad <laughs> and again not every movie needs to be good and every you know you can have those opinions uh, like you and i say and some and and i i think it's not as good as casino real if you're talking about that movie but like i think star wars really because of everything and this talking space and all that kind of stuff 
different different podcasts. Star Wars, if you're asking me how it needs to be successful, it needs to turn the tide of the general consensus. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm using uh, so much restraint to not uh, turn this into Bond Center. Uh, but I love I love your example. I really like Quantum of Solace as well. And I love your example. And I, I was do wondering, I was that, like, oh, gosh, is Joseph going to fight me in Quantum of Solace? No, 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 no. I really like it, too. The, the, the actual villain plot is... Uh, powerful and well done and anyway in some very different stuff and the the whole uh, i love that uh, bond discards anything that he doesn't think he needs anymore very quickly by throwing it aside literally there's a whole uh, a throwing theme (laughs) a literally tossing it aside theme to that film anyway uh but yeah i think I, i think it is it's easy for us to focus on the negative. Yeah. But so I think when I'm thinking about, okay, here, here comes rogue squadron. It's going to have all these expectations. A couple of things I think about, I think about the reaction to Mandalorian when it was first released. Right. Um, and as it, as it goes, I think Mandalorian is still in general, you know, very loved. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are more opinions, you know, as you get into it of, you know, we spent too much time with this character, that character shouldn't have popped up or, you know, on and on. Everybody's got opinions. It's great. It's fine. But in general, like especially that first season of Mandalorian was just this burst of beautiful yeah. positivity, right? Mm-hmm. And I just really hope for a film that really is strikes that perfect Star Wars balance between the importance of legacy and tradition to the to the DNA of Star Wars, but is just like a bold, new, fun adventure. That just kind of gets past some of those conversations uh, the way the first season of Mandalorian really did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also just think it, I am so fascinated to see if it can be done because it's such a weird thing for a studio to attempt to do. Mm-hmm. If a studio, if they could somehow manage expectations of what is the goal of this movie? Now, studios do this all the time when they put out their projections, you know, for the opening weekend, they'll lower them, right? So, right, right. so that they don't. Uh, look like they fell but in fact uh, you know overwent them and it's uh, you know competing studios will estimate the movies higher always so they do that but it's just a really reset to say and i i don't know how they can do this but how can they come out and go we want and expect rogue squadron to do ant-man money <laughs> right, right you know and I, i'm sure they want it to make more money they want it to be the biggest hit ever because that, it, it is a business but how do you deal with that? How do you like, we want to tell these Star Wars stories. We want to tell fun, high stakes stories of new characters having adventures. And we don't want, we're not trying to make, you know, Return of the Jedi again. We're not expecting it to be the biggest thing ever financially. Like, how are you ever going to manage that? Or maybe the movies just can't. And that's what Disney Plus is for. Yeah. Uh, that might, yeah, that might be a little bit of that. Yeah, because I just think I think especially Mando season one, no one the expect what were the expectations? I don't know, you know. I don't well, yeah, and, and you don't need to, right? Because yeah. Disney Plus chooses whether they're going to release them or not. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And then look at that. Look, I, I still think Mando season two is generally well received too, right? Uh, oh yeah, you and I were, and many others are saying, get ready for season two when you have expectations in place now, and you had more shots taken at Mando season two than season one. I think because. There was more like I didn't I didn't expect that character to character to show up and I don't like that. Yeah. And I mean it's Rogue, yeah, it's probably Rogue Squadron can get past that, at least it has a chance to get past that right now. And then Rogue Squadron 2, everyone will have a lot of expectations. <laughs> and it will be a hard balance. I think the other thing for me, this is a fun episode for us, I think, because you know, 
a lot of times we, we spend our time talking about like, you know, the themes and the ideas and the characters. And uh, it's undeniably a business. You know, this is not the nonprofit that George Lucas established in the mid 70s. It's right. always been for profit. And that it, it, the business side of this is a big part of what we're talking about. But I think for me, you know, for a Star Wars film to be a success, I think it has to inspire people. Um, yeah. in particularly like the next generation. And I think that's some of the stuff that fades into the distance, right? Like um, there's still, you know, people who really, really dislike the prequels and will be absolutely happy to tell you all about it, right? Mm. But they're the people who grew up with that and that's why they're writers today. That's why they're designers today. That's why they're, you know, that's where where they get their philosophy to get through day-to-day life. Th- those films inspired people and they were ravaged by the critics right for the most part um and then the same thing's happening with the sequel trilogy we can we can concentrate on nothing but the fights and there's still those people who who really got to see something you know mm-hmm. every time i think if somebody's saying like those films just shouldn't have existed like oh you want to tell this uh five-year-old girl dresses ray that those movies just shouldn't exist 100 <laughs> percent. you know the inspiration to the next generation mm-hmm. that really really matters you know and if if some kid gets to see themselves you know in whatever way you know physical representation emotional representation if they relate to a cgi alien zipping through the sky in in rogue squadron and that inspires them in their life that's the the real success story ultimately yeah and 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 i have all the faith that a star wars movie will do that again and i hope it's rogue squadron yeah, exactly. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will talk about these movies that we know almost nothing about. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of the future of cinema in Star Wars. So many different things to look at, uh, from the financial to the personal, all sorts of uh, great stuff. And we know everyone listening uh, has their strong opinions as well. And uh, we respect that. We are going to get into, though, some uh, hopefully responsible speculation about the upcoming films that are confirmed. So first we go to Rogue Squadron, uh, directed by Patty Jenkins, uh, recently revealed to be written by Matthew Robinson. Here is a quote from StarWars.com describing the film, Ken. The story will introduce a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary-pushing high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future era of the galaxy. And uh, here is a quote from Patty Jenkins about the film in an interview with uh, IGN. Uh, Patty Jenkins says, We're doing something original with great influence from the games and the books. There's a lot of things being acknowledged and understood about the greatness of all those things. But yes, 
It's an original story, and I'm so psyched to do it. So that's just a resetting what we actually know about the film. And let me just ask you, what are you excited about? What excites you when you think about this film? The unknown, uh, the speed and momentum that I feel this film film is going to generate. Uh, and then the emotions. I was, uh, you know, that that announcement in that video with with Patty. I mean, I, that 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 got me crying. I think it got a lot of people crying. Right? It moved a lot of us because it went from, ah, oh, yeah, the, the, the Wonder Woman director, Star Wars, X Wings. Oh, okay, great, great, great. To this is personal. This is about my father. This is about. Uh, me wanting to all, all, always tell this type of story and the Star Wars galaxy ended up being the perfect place to do it. So the connection, the the, the earning their wings is just an interesting plot, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe I'm taking too literal. Is this literally Top Gun in space? I don't know. Um, but ever, everything about that, that's what I'm excited about. I, I did not really play the video game, did not really read the books. So... Uh, by the way, also, I think her quote is a little bit of a, don't worry, we we are aware those games exist. Let us go do our own thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I know I'm talking in, in vagueness because we don't know anything, but that's what I want. I just, I do want that, that they describe high speed thrill ride. I, I absolutely want to have that feeling. I want this movie to have that, that energy that Rise of Skywalker has, something that I love. And I know other people know, but I, I've, I've still, last week I had a conversation, it just moves too fast. Okay, I don't think it does, but it just has a, it has a momentum to it that I love, and I think the Rogue Squadron needs that kind of momentum. Yeah, I think it was really consciously uh, paying tribute to the uh, the adventure serial roots of Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. not just aesthetically, but just uh, actually structurally. And you think you're done with one problem, but here you are in another. Right? You thought you finished that speeder chase, but now you're sinking in the sand. It's uh, that kind of adventure serial. A, a, a value to that part of Star Wars. And I really think Rogue Squadron is going to have that. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a high-speed thrill ride. They're saying that right there. Um, so I think we're going to get that sense of the absolute wonder of flight. Um, for me, uh, Wonder Woman 84 was a, a very uh, mixed bag, um, but there's some scenes in there that are very much about just the absolute awe of being in flight, right? Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to have that sense of it. That's clearly in in Patty Jenkins' history. It's in her bones, right? So you're going to get that wonder, that flight. The I think we're going to get big, cool, great uh, space battles, and hopefully, uh, you know, ships in atmosphere too. So people who like ships in atmosphere can be happy, and people who want space battles can be happy. I would not be surprised to get both to get that wonder and that 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 fear, that reality of it, right? of it's fun to it's it's a that great star wars like it's it is fun to fantasize about the adventure but these are real straight you know real stakes and one wrong move and that's it you know there's the the thrill and the danger of flight and it seems like that is what uh the film is really you know flying straight into Uh, yeah we're doing a lot of flying metaphors here today yes uh yeah and and the idea like especially she's she's analyzing but she said her her father was uh was a pilot right and and then so what's the impact on family what's what's the impact on legacies are we going to get some people who yeah dare i say is if it's truly in the future is it uh you know poe dameron jr like what do we got like i don't know <laughs> and do we have that, you know do we have that legacy going and 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 what um what moves you forward now uh to, to what puts you into the stars and that sense of wonder uh 
a youngster looking up to the galaxy and going, I want to get off this planet. That's something we've seen before, but it, it, it works for a reason. And if she can explore not just, uh, you know, how we fly, but the, the why of it, I'm there for that. Yeah, yeah. And really reconnecting with what has actually been said, because I think sometimes that can happen in our Star Wars discussion world where like the actual quote that exists that's on the website will sometimes disappear while people just kind of discuss it back and forth on social media. Totally. So that's part of the reason I wanted to share this quote from the website. How Star Wars does this sound, right? The story will introduce a new generation of starfighter pilots. Mm-hmm. So just take that. It's got the word generation in it already. It's called Rogue Squadron. So that implies that whatever this new group of, of uh, fighters are, they are aware of that sense of history. We are, we are taking on the mantle of Rogue Squadron. We know what this means. Uh, and then this idea of earning their wings, that's so just classic Star Wars coming of age. Sometimes Star Wars tells the coming of age story of, you know, uh, really like, tweens <laughs> and sometimes it's really like no 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 you're 24 but this is your first step into the actual being adult and taking responsibility for for your life you know yeah. uh so i i think it's going to have some of those really classic uh star wars themes if that quote uh holds out oh 100 yeah and then last thing for me is just i think the most exciting thing to me about it is you know in, in a lot of star wars films the space battles are thrilling and I feel bad when one of the uh, pilots crashes and that, yeah. but I just love the idea of like, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to spend a whole film with uh, Porkins or Eloasti or uh, uh, I looked up her name, Denise Elberger, Bravo five from Phantom Menace. Like it's not just going to be a person with a, a charismatic face and, and voice. It, yeah. You're going to know who down on the planet is going to weep if they die. Yeah. And just imagining the thrill of a Star Wars big screen uh, starfighter battle, feeling that emotionally invested in the character is thrilling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And when they fight the Yuzon Vong, it'll be (laughs) good. I hope. So let's talk about not the Yuzon Vong, but uh, the future (laughs) era. How do you feel about it being set in a future era? Again, that's what the quote from StarWars.com says. uh, Move the saga into the future era of the galaxy. How are you interpreting that? What are you excited for? I I am am nervously excited. I I do take it literally. I do take it as we are off well beyond nine. I know there was, we didn't talk much about it in the news this week, but uh, Star Wars Visions, the duel episode uh, is is going to be set after nine, which, you know, has nothing to do with canon, but it's it just it's interesting to explore what might be ahead. You can't help but wonder because mm-hmm. in 1983, we were all wondering, give me seven, George. Come on. Did you hear? Did you hear in Starlog? They said George wrote seven, eight, nine. We got we it's out there. The story's out there. I do want them to start getting to there and, and a time jump and. You know, do I expect a Rogue Squadron pilot to be like, well, let me tell you about the, the adventures of Ray? No, nah, not necessarily. But I, I, I'm i nervously excited because then it starts putting down answers that uh, I don't know if uh, I like those answers. I don't know if those are my answers, which is wonderfully exciting for me. Yeah, I'm super intrigued by it. I think it's smart to move into this era you know, we've, we've had a lot of stories jumping around in the timeline and, and I really enjoy them all. Uh, but I think this will really help for the big film going audience to just be like, look, anything can happen. We're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, that that means a lot of things. Right. If you want to say, like, look, 
we want to leave it open 20 years from now to decide what happened to Ray and Finn and Poe and Rose. So you got to be careful of like leaving room, right? Yeah. Um, so that to me says like, by definition, this is probably not going to be the entire galaxy is at stake. This right. is going to be what's happening to these characters in this section of the galaxy is real important. Uh, but you don't want to make the whole film of like, well, why isn't Poe Dameron yeah. <laughs> taking care of that? Right. Uh, and then the other thing for me of just kind of going back to the classic war part of star Wars, unless the rogue squadron really means the rogue and it's just a bunch of people who got some ships and they're doing this themselves. Yeah. You're talking about the new, new Republic or whatever it is. And, the state of the galaxy and you know you you can't have a war without reasons so and even if there's an incredibly light touch it's the politics of star wars why are people fighting what's at stake mm -hmm. you know are we on board with uh with what our starfighter characters are our, our pilots are fighting for you know yeah, which could be fun to look at. Again, this idea of, uh, you know, we got a complete victory at the end of episode nine, but uh, the lessons of the sequel trilogy are that, the you know, uh, unless you're vigilant, old evils and just evil itself will keep showing up. So I'm totally on board for what that means, but I, I'm with you on the, I, I immediately go to, you know, is, is it a training class that gets, you know, has to step up? Is it something like that? Is it something specific? Uh, uh, and, and are they helping just a people, a planet, uh, something smaller? Uh, I think you need to kind of live in that corner of the galaxy. Otherwise, yeah, where, where's General Poe? <laughs> Poe Dameron is busy this weekend. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. Right. The, I'm, I'm sure they're very aware of these challenges and tackling them. Oh. Uh, go ahead. No, no, totally. And, and, and what's also fun, as we speculate, is to know that all these questions have been answered by them already in offices over the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> the answers are in Burbank. Yep. Uh one thing I'm really curious about with the future era is ship design. Um, yes. Are we going to take that next step? Because the X-Wings and the A-Wings uh, that we know uh, from the original trilogy didn't change too much design-wise uh, in the sequel trilogy. Do you want to see the X-Wings and the A-Wings you know, or do you want to see them kind of take a next step in evolution? Do you want to see some wild new ships i'd love to see some wild new ships i'd love to still have x-wings a-wings give me them y-wings but just to like really move those forward you know uh we we you know uh, airplanes are generally the same and have been for a while it's a simple concept right it's all <laughs> metal and some wings and fly no but but you know with the technology the advancements the designs the you know uh, all those things i i put that into star wars so i want it to be yeah give me an x-wing but i really want it to look something new but you know really to look in the future yeah no i would love that if there's like somebody who is really about the legacy if there's one of these characters like no we're rogue squadron and i'm i'm flying an x-wing and everybody's like all right you know uh but the uh the k-wing is mm. this hot fast new ship yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it, it would be fun to have a mix yeah totally would yeah but i definitely want to see some new stuff myself yeah and i think you'll need it i think yeah i think you're gonna get it but yeah i think you'll need it yeah, absolutely. Uh, if for nothing else, so you can build those Legos uh, yeah. sets on your stream of the K-Wing. Yeah, I got a, got a T-Wing, a K-Wing, and a W-Wing. It's a big set. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, we're going to spell your whole name in Star Wars ships. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Rogue Squadron before we move on? No, other than, I, I mean, I'm joking, but it's like the answers already exist. They're already developing, you know, they're well down the path. 
and I, 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 I don't like leaks and those kind of things, but eventually we'll get some sort of a, a, an official announcement soon, like of so-and-so in the cast. Or, and I just can't wait because then you start – the speculation even grows. That's, that's, and that's the fun of this. That's the joy of being able to look to the future of Star Wars cinema. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think it is a smart move the more we talk about it because it's this big part of Star Wars. There's so many different uh, parts uh, of Star Wars, so many even like – uh, stories but also aesthetics and just like the starfighter pilot there's a reason those video games and those books have been popular there's a reason the recent squadrons video game was popular right like mm-hmm. it's really great to just zero in on this particular you know aesthetic and story of star wars and just you know really go crazy with it so i'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. okay we're gonna move on then to the untitled taiki waititi star wars film here's a quote from kathleen kennedy about that one taika's approach to star wars will be fresh unexpected and unique his enormous talent and sense of humor will ensure that audiences are in for an unforgettable ride (laughs) uh so uh, that that one is very difficult to read any tea leaves there but what are you excited about this one i'm excited for the heart that he's without a doubt going to put in this story right everything he he does uh, has you know and i'm just specifically even looking at mando stuff but but you look at his all his films and some are wild and crazy, and uh, I enjoy dry New Zealand wit. I really do. I'm a big Flight of the Concords fan. Uh, love what we do in the Shadows movie and TV show, and Wellington uh, Wellington Paranormal, is that the name of the show? Uh, Grace and I are two episodes in, and we're really loving it. And he's like an executive producer on that. So I'm there for all that and all the Taika-ness. What I love about everything I see about him, there is always heart. There's always something sweet there's always something important at the center of his story. So uh, all these things, unexpected, unique, even the logo they showed looked like an old 70s cartoon. All that I'm going to put on a shelf. I'm way I'm waiting for him to really show us something that almost make I, I almost want to cry, you know? Like I'm, I'm really <laughs> expecting that cuz IG11 at the end I that choke that could choke me up. That's a, that's a real heartfelt moment and, and uh, I think that is I think people were moved by that but more of the conversations about the biker scouts shooting you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I'm not there for that as much as I was for IG 11's uh, sacrifice yeah no I'm right there with you I think heart is a really great way to say it I think with a lot of these the, the question really is you know what in all of the things that make Star Wars Star Wars speaks to these creators right and, and Patty Jenkins kind of answered that question. You know, it isn't just like, hello, here are my credits here at Star Wars. It's this is why I'm passionate about this part of Star Wars. Yeah. So I'm so excited to see what part of uh, of Star Wars speaks to, to Taika Waititi. Um, but I, the thing that that grabs me about his work is the unapologetic mashup of big, even absurd humor with truly deep, heartfelt drama, you know, yeah. Uh, people really love Thor Ragnarok and it can be easy to focus on, you know, some of the great uh, comedy moments. Um, I think he's got a particular kind of well of comedy where the um, the the big and the fantastic meets the mundane. Right. Uh, it's something that Marvel does in general uh, goes through that that contrast uh, a lot. But he he does that really well. I think he did that a little bit in uh, the episode of Mandalorian he directed. But it can it can escape notice that. Yeah, there's a ton of drama in Thor Ragnarok, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's about uh, losing everything. It's about doubting yourself. It's about uh, failure, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about trying to almost all those characters are wrestling with. I am 
I am allegedly so powerful, but I'm not where I need to be. I can't accomplish the things I want to. And uh, I'm losing people around me left and right. And a ton of humor is emerging from that Mm -hmm. real darkness too. Yeah. It's, uh, I think you can, you can laugh and remember the shake wake jokes, but it's always goes well beyond that. And, 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 and you talk about what inspires him. I'm trying to think, you know, he's, he's very cheeky in his interviews. He's kind of cagey. He's, he's going to be, he's loud and colorful and wears those wonderful outfits, but you sometimes don't know who the real Taika is. Uh, but when you hear him in that uh, BTS on the Disney gallery talking about how uh, Yoda and Luke on Dagobah and the wonder and the and how it, it kind of came back to him later versus as a kid and those are his favorite scenes and those are those are very that's not a that's not a rip roaring comedy scene. <laughs> no, nope, not some, at all. Some comedy there, but not not a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that makes me excited, like, yeah, j- like you said, even if it's just like, hey, look, uh, we need to pull something for this big invent- investor meeting. The fact that they pulled the weird Star Wars l- l- words is a large pink rock, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's very much like, yeah, this would have been on a Trapper Keeper, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, or, or a Saturday morning cartoon. I, I think it really does. It, I, I sense that he is somebody who will absolutely pull from the elements of star Wars that he finds the most depth and connection to. But I think that instinct to push, 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 expand the palette of what star Wars looks like, you know, really question what can fit within star Wars. I think we're going to see some like just actually bold visual, uh, uh, aesthetic palette movement. Oh yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of that present in his in his comedies, even. And I'm not super familiar with you know with the Hunt of the Wilderbeast, all those other movies he's done. But I'm just again, Fly the Concords, again, what we do in the shadows. They put a lot. It, they just, you know, I know you're talking more higher end you know, artistic kind of stuff, but he's just always playing with what with what you're watching and what you're seeing, and it's a full 360 experience as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have any utterly wild predictions or desires for characters, setting, etc.? I mean, there's there's nothing uh, right now to suggest anything. So, this is just kind of blue sky. What do you think might happen? What might you want to see? Man, I I I want it to maybe go in the past. Uh, I I. I I don't know. If Patty's in the future in one era, maybe he could be in the future in another era, but there's something, I don't know. There's something about him. If you were to say not in a high Republic, but you know, like if you were going to give 200 year old Yoda to any creator, I'd take his take on it. Right. Um, so that's amazing. Right. So I go that way. I don't necessarily think, I think it's going to might be all new characters or something. I don't know that. But I, I don't have, I don't necessarily think he's going way off into the future, or way off into the corner, or outer rim, or unknown regions. He could, but I, I think playing in inside the Star Wars we know, but just in a, in a free from a lot of the expectations because it's in an older part, and it's not Old Republic or Knights Old Republic. It's just something over here, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think for some reason my mind went to uh, people who have have had power and are losing it. I think it's because it's an idea I really like in Thor Ragnarok, but I also feel like that's really there in uh, what we do in the shadows, Mm -hmm. that sense of like, well, we we're vampires. We should be able to, you know, not get, you know, shamed by werewolves, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There, I think he's really got a, 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 he really has a sense of, uh, of comedy and heart and drama that comes from loss of perceived status. Right. Mm 
Yeah. So my mind goes on like, is this a, a the story of some down on their luck a royal, you know, who lost their planet or right. uh, scoundrels and pirates who used to be the best, you know? Uh, is this, you know, not Boba, not actual Boba Fett, but imagine a bounty hunter like Boba Fett, yeah. who's not the best anymore, but used to be. There's something really appealing to me about that. Uh, some reason, just you're a, 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 a band of space pirates who are just not, <laughs> things aren't coming up gold for them. <laughs> Sounds funny to me. No one's afraid of Kanji Club anymore. Yeah. Yeah, not literal kanji club, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be anywhere. You're right. It's so wild that it it could be. You know, when when Yoda first left Yothon, which is the planet we <laughs> randomly decided his species is from. Yeah, uh, yeah. not accurate. Uh, it, it could be something like absolutely tied to canon. It could be something like it doesn't even matter. Sure, look, if this this happens during Phantom Menace, it doesn't matter because it's yeah. about the characters. It could absolutely be that. I am starting to wonder though, since it is one of the kind of the next up announced mm-hmm. if it is going to be in the same era as rogue squadron. Mm, yeah. Because it has that, it, it, because it could take that, like, look, you can do anything you want. That, that era isn't defined, you know, leave the main characters alone, leave room for them to breathe. You know, yeah. you, you can't have a Jedi school cause that's a little too close to home, you know, but yeah. make up a new planet, make up a new group of criminals and tell your story about them and have room for that MCU build of like, maybe these movies just maybe rogue squadron and this movie gets made and that's it. Or maybe they're both trilogies or maybe they grow together the way MCU has the way some of the Disney plus shows look like, you know, they could, Mm. uh, is, is there a desire to just be like, look, we're just making this, but we're leaving that door open. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Yeah. I also could see this is just uh, the you know the story of one uh, hut's palace, not Jabba's, and everything goes wrong there. Uh, now that you guys, <laughs> uh, I, I like the idea of uh, what you're suggesting of them kind of being out and about in the same spot and just and going back to the, the conversation of the first half of the show of we're playing in the same era of the galaxy and let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can connect. Let's see if we want to tie it all together. Yeah, yeah. If and I think there's that big question of if right not here's the master plan but just look yeah. if uh if uh the sad bounty hunter from taika waititi's film if it makes sense for them to meet the young headstrong pilot from rogue squadron well cool maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah maybe yeah who knows maybe uh this is probably something also that burbank knows already yes uh, any other thoughts on this one before we move on? Uh, no, there's, uh, no, other than I'm definitely looking forward to it. I have really zero idea. I mean, we won't yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I so look forward to being utterly wrong about everything I just yeah. said. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, next up we have the untitled Kevin Feige and Michael Waldron Star Wars film. Uh, here's a Kathleen Qu- Kennedy quote from a November, 2019 Rolling Stone article. Kevin has been a huge fan of Star Wars and he's made that pretty clear (laughs) and i think when he went off to do a couple of the spider-man movies he realized that he could kind of step in and out of what he's doing specifically with just marvel he talked to us and he talked to the studio and said you know is there any chance i could step in and do one of the star wars movies and i thought it was a pretty cool idea so we're just beginning to talk about that what that might be and when that might be but it's a ways off so again this is from november 2019 uh but just about as much detail is out there right now and also, just for clarity, Kevin Feige is a, a producer, and that's what he's talking about doing, is producing this film. Mm. So what makes you excited about this one that we know absolutely nothing about? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited again when a creator 
uh, says this is something I'm passionate about and they have a great track record and, 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 and they want to come in and play in the galaxy. I'm just excited about that on that level. That's, um, I was very happy with the Patty Jenkins announcement, but then the video just, just sealed the deal. You know, I, I, I assume great. She's hot, talented director right now coming off of wonder woman and wonder one eighty four, And she's got, got heat on her career. Let's bring her into star Wars. That makes sense. That makes sense. But to see her be like, no, this is personal. And so for Feige, who's been around for so many years and has done so many wonderful things and has made so many <laughs> careers, probably behind the scenes in terms of uh, uh, back-end uh, percentage shares, uh, to him just to go, but you know what? What got me to do all of this was Star Wars. I want to come in and do something here. I, I, at this point, I'm not even worried about the idea. I'm just glad he's glad he's here. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it, it is like the, you know, if I find an interview with somebody diving deep on Kevin Feige, of like, what is your exact favorite part of Star Wars? Like that might be the hint of like, eh, that's what he's interested in, in celebrating or reexamining or all that. Um, uh, Michael Waldron is very interesting since the uh, Loki just wrapped. Uh, he is writing the Doctor Strange or, or wrote uh, the Doctor Strange uh, movie sequel. Um, he I think he has a just a big overall deal with Disney. So putting a lot um a lot of uh, faith in him. Uh, and so far, uh, the Loki, um, I it was I, I thought it was really interesting in terms of it really definitely mixing uh, comedy, drama, and very, very theme forward philosophical questions. Like mm-hmm. it, it was not like dig for the subtext. It was like that's what the the characters are wrestling with philosophical questions uh so as much as you can read tea leaves from that uh, i'm very interested in him as a writer yeah uh not being super familiar with the series i can just yeah it seems to be wonderfully introspective and wonderfully trippy and 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 breaking some new ground so take all that and i mean that's yeah taking all that and see where they could do that it's like i I do kind of go jedi side with some of that stuff maybe hmm yeah, yeah, no, and and that's interesting too to be like, you know, the way this is phrased of Kevin Feige me like, can I do one of those? Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like, can you give me an assignment? I don't think that's what it is, but you could kind of interpret it as like, well, we, we have this, you know, yeah. this gestating idea, and we want somebody to tackle it. You know, Kevin and Michael, you're, you're you're the ones tackling it right now, or is it totally like Kevin's being like, look, here's the thing I wrote in college is fan fiction, <laughs> yeah. and this is, you know, I don't know which direction it's coming from. Yeah. Uh, do you have any utterly wild predictions or desires? Uh, you said Jedi. Anything else? I I could see. Uh, I could really see it. Uh, no, sticking around with the Jedi, sticking around with uh, another time period. I don't know. Yeah, you know, same. I'm same. Same as you. I don't. Need, I don't need to be Jedi school or something. But that idea that was floating out there about hey, maybe we'll get the the official formation, the Jedi Order, some around that where it's not. That's very uh, cut and dry. But like exploring. I don't want to say multiverses because that's a different conversation to have, but like the world between worlds type of stuff, the Mortis stuff, I, I could mm. go in a little that way and being about the force or about the Jedi's relationship to the force. I could see, I could see, but, but in a, in a, in an important, not intimate, uh, my dinner with Andre kind of, kind of, kind of style, but just a fun, crazy star Wars adventure. That's dealing with that kind of stuff in another older time where a lot of things haven't been established. Yeah, and I mean, if that is definitely something that Feige, as a producer, has overseen a ton of. We need to introduce the audience to a, a part of the world, a part of the story that they know, that they understand, that they feel comfortable with. But now we have to introduce this whole other pocket of reality or of understanding, and we have to blend that aesthetically. Has yeah. you know been a lot of what the MCU journey has been, 
Um, and you can see there over the years, their increased confidence of things, you know, they're doing things now that they would not have done, mm, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so if there's some real boldness of like, we can kind of open up a lot of these, yeah, more just kind of ideas on screen for a general audience. That would make sense for me for something that would uh, entice Kevin Feige. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, the idea. I don't even need it to be specifically Mortis, right? But just like like you're saying, something kind of out there, not quite George Lucas in the uh, micro midichlorian level that he promised yeah. seven, eight, nine was going to be. Um, but yeah, just going a little, little, little well. And I, I'm not just saying that because uh, they got you know Loki, uh, Doctor Strange, kind of getting into some the multiverse kind of stuff. Or, uh, but but it has. But I can see if they're if they're moving around that really well and like you said that the general public is being like okay cool alligator guy let's do it um <laughs> I, I could i could see them trying that with star wars yeah yeah and i just kind of agree with you i think um i think jedi makes uh, some amount of sense and i think high republic has really demonstrated uh, for me something that that i've always had a lot of excitement and faith in is like look jedi are fascinating and in just about any era random jedi on random planet with random problem, not random, but, you know, built to be meaningful. But that's a fascinating character to follow, is a Jedi resolving a, a problem. As long as those stakes are high and we as the audience feel them, you know, I think there's a lot of potential in that. Yeah. I think there's also the possibility because, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Feige obviously has a lot of experience, you know, world building, that, you know, maybe this one does carve out an era uh, that yeah. is, again, like, Look, this could be one off, but if we want to expand from here, we can. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, last big thing for me about Kevin Feige is just something I've been thinking about a lot of. Uh, I think one of the huge successes of of MCU, like a lot of people have looked at the MCU and go, oh, well, people like superheroes. Or they've looked at MCU and say, oh, people really like connected stories. So, you know, different studios are just going to announce like we're going to be connected. And I think both of those things are valuable. The superhero is valuable. The connected is valuable. But what I think gets overlooked about the success of MCU is it is, in my mind, modern day vaudeville in that it is a little bit of everything. It is unashamed about mixing things. It is mm -hmm. comedy. It is big superhero action. It is weird fantasy. Uh, but it's all drama that's motivated uh, by the characters and you can really relate to what they're going through of are they're afraid of letting a, a family member down are they afraid of not becoming the person they need to be you know on and on and on of all the motivations are extremely personal but everything else around it is this stew of mixing different genres and then bringing in like every superhero kind of carries with them a different genre a little bit of a spy or a little bit of magic or you know Guardians of the Galaxy out there in space. And I think a huge amount of the success is that that we crave stories that aren't rigidly one thing. And I think that's really like a place where the MCU and Star Wars shake hands. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. I think we, you know, we, we, maybe we should do that MCU Force Center. Yeah, of, uh, just as a casual observer who's not, you know, I do go at the end of the movie and I turn to Matt Key, who's usually with me, and I go, all right, who's, uh, who's Bob Thanos? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do, but I, I I don't get the enjoyment out of it by that the details. I, I get I get the enjoyment out of, out of what you're describing and, and and the way they present it. Yeah, and, and I think if I think Feige is a good person to bring that understanding of audiences can yeah and handle and enjoy a mix 
of genres in one story as long as it's all motivated from the character and their emotions are believable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We will move on to the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Uh, will it happen? Or when it does, will we just be brains preserved in robot bodies? What do you think, Ken? Is it happening? I uh, am currently on, uh, at this point in time, uh, July 2021. Do not believe we'll see a Ryan Johnson trilogy. <gasps> wow. Wow. I don't think we will. And, and by the way, that I have no, no extra from a set in Pacoima has slipped me pictures of why this is happening, <laughs> by the way. Um, uh, I, I just, I just uh, yeah, just has that feel, doesn't it? Just has that feel to me that it's yeah. not out there. It's not on the horizon. I kind of feel like just never say never, you know? Um, I'm, I'm going to choose to believe with you. but Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like Ryan Johnson is somebody who has a very honest um, relationship with, with fans and media, right? Like mm -hmm. a, he, he comes out and he says what he means. Um, yeah. And, and I kind of tend to believe that he's like, yeah, no, we're still talking about it. I've done some development on it. It's not the, mm -hmm. the next thing that's happening. Uh, so I got my Netflix deal to uh, build my own uh, Knives Out franchise, my Knives, yeah. <laughs> my Knives verse, yeah. uh, whatever it, he's going to call it. Uh, so it seems like just on a from a practical stance, of like, yeah, no, we got all these other Star Wars movies announced. Uh, Ryan Johnson has this great Netflix deal. So I think, like, yeah, maybe uh, this will still happen in 2032. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and maybe, maybe it will be this weird, weird feeling of like, ah, the mysteries of the force at work of like, mm. by the time this happens, the uh, industry is ready. The audience is ready for a big trilogy again. Yeah. And it would be, yeah, it'd be an awesome feeling, right? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I, I want this to, I want this to happen. I just don't even know. I, but I, I gotta tell you, I honestly, I'd rather at this point here, he's directing an episode of Mando season three, you know? Yeah. Um, and but uh, by the way, I feel we could have both. But yeah, um, I think, and I don't, and I don't think, I don't think he read. I don't think he like doesn't want to do it because of the the, the problems of the last Jedi. They did my face. He, that guy stood on Twitter and took every barb as best he could, and and you know stood up and spoke up when he needed to on things that he needed to to, to say things on. So I, I don't think he's he's the type who's going to be like, well, I don't want to deal with Star Wars again. No, I, I just think he's like, hey, man, life, you know, uh, <laughs> Letterman wanted nothing more than this night show and he didn't get it. And they had to shake him by the lapels and say, that's not your dream anymore. Go find something else. And uh, you look at Ryan right now with Knives Out and other things. And you're like, he may have he may have uh, gone off and found something else for him here. Uh, you know, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't I don't think there's any like walking away he has uh definitely uh demonstrated uh that mm. that he can handle being in the star wars arena and uh and and make the movie that he believes in and make the movie that he wants to make um yeah. so i'm really hopeful that it just time moves fast we were talking about it joking about it about how fast <laughs> this will be and we'll look back and go like can you rem can you remember back then 10 years ago when we were debating if this is going to even happen and <laughs> now it's the big thing yeah, and look, I, 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 if if that's a solid prediction for me, no, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong soon, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. If the Ryan Johnson trilogy was going to happen, any wild predictions or desires for the actual content of that film? Uh, I, I always, go, <laughs> I always go to the formation of the Jedi because I think it's cool. Uh, <laughs> there were so many rumors about what he might be doing. I just don't think any of the rumors were remotely true because I don't think they knew. So. 
uh, you know, Ryan's going to do a kid Star Wars movie. And eh, it was never true, but, uh, but there's some spirit about that, that I like about him really tapping into what I, what a lot of things about last Jedi that I loved of just like it's personal story. And of all the answers he gave about that movie, he didn't sit there and say, Hey, this was about me at seven and this specific incident in my life or something in my twenties. He left that behind. And I, I and I, I think he could tap into that and, and tap into the speaking to the 12 year olds type of uh, vibe. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the few quotes he gave and I'm really paraphrasing is talking about like, yeah, I'm really digging into like what what does Star Wars uh, mean? What are the big ideas? And I, I think he absolutely did that. He investigated that in Last Jedi. But I think he could, you know, with uh, new characters and open setting, you know, take the, that kind of investigation of, you know, what makes Star Wars powerful, what makes it meaningful and investigate that even further. And yeah, I, I felt at the time and I still feel like that the thought was, uh, can this be in a part of space that is totally undiscovered? That's just, it's, I think that the intention here would be, it is truly deeply removed from anything we know before. Yeah. 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 So, uh, who knows? Maybe someday we'll see that. Maybe we won't. Uh, maybe someday, uh, Ryan Johnson will, uh, will post on, uh, whatever future social media exists, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. his notes <laughs> years and years from now. We'll see. Hopefully uh, still be podcasting about it then. Yeah. Final question for you, Ken. Are there any creators, directors, writers, uh, filmmakers, storytellers of any kind that you want to see put a new Star Wars story up on that big screen? Yeah, this is, I mean, you know, we got that uh, rumored uh, with the J.D. JD Dillard one. We got a lot of those, a lot of, a uh, lot of other rumors out there. And, and yeah, yeah. Didn't, in, didn't include all the rumors. Yeah, the yeah, ones that yeah. were super rumory, I, I let go. Yeah, no, but so some of those is just like, hey, maybe I want to see those. I, I'm so bad at some of these lists. Uh, I really am. Uh, I, I, I just want to see the next generation of filmmakers. I want to see a 30 year old, uh, director come in and go, yeah, yeah, I grew up, uh, I grew up on the prequels and I want to tell that kind of Star Wars story. Um, I'm excited for that. I, I am uh, long since removed from the, knowing all the, all the hip new directors and writers. <laughs> I don't have to compete in movie fights over it anymore, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm excited for that. Doesn't mean I don't want uh, someone from our generation or above getting a chance to tell the story. It just means I'm, I'm so excited that we are getting to the point where someone who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, the Clone Wars movie was my first time with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Or, you know, yeah, even getting to like, yeah, no, the Star Wars, you, Rebels is the introduction to Star yeah. Wars, which I know for like many of our listeners, fellow podcasters out there, that is the thing that hooked them, you know? And yeah. so many starting points for Star Wars, that's really exciting to think about, you know, how does that translate to what inspired creators? And then, yeah. you know, how do they build on what inspired them? Yeah, and I'm sorry, I have not a cop out answer. It's just like it's just kind of where my heart goes. Of just like, uh, yeah, man, that'd be fun. I mean, because we're not, you know, if if you're twelve, if you're fifteen in two thousand fourteen, and and you're, you you fall in love with rebels, and fifteen's not super super young where you're you're watching cartoons, you know. But it's like, and then you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I do want to go to film school. In the next five years, you're a young up and coming filmmaker gets a shot at something big. Like, can you imagine what that 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 kind of entry point in a story is going to lead. What kind of storytelling is going to create? Yeah, yeah, no, I I don't think that's a cop out answer at all. I think that's a great answer. Uh, it should have had you go last because I think it's the best <laughs> answer. Is uh, yeah. the next generation needs to tell the stories. Um, I think for me, um, I'd be really interested in a lot of the directors from Mandalorian, but in particular Rick Famuyiwa. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, he's he's got such an interesting. 
uh, take on Star Wars. He is of the original trilogy generation, but I think he's really got some interesting and in, in, in different parts of it that excite him. I think, yeah. you know, he he really likes to play, it, it seems to me, in like the gray area and in the, the day-to-day life, you know, I so adore uh, that second episode. Uh, that really just makes you feel uh, Mandalorian just trying to get through a day, you know, I'd be really fascinated by that. Some of his other films that I've watched, I really didn't enjoy it. So really like that. Bryce Dallas Howard. uh, That would be amazing. Um, But then here's my, here's my big one, Ken. Here's my, my weird one. Unexpected. Uh, I would love if once the, uh, the, the whole uh, publishing campaign is all shaped, Mm -hmm. I'd love the high Republic writers to write a movie. Ooh, there there is a thing in in our various industries where you get put in a box. Yeah. And even if it's a very successful box, like I remember when I first came here or even started to talk to, to friends about advice and like, well, what do you want to do? And like, I want to tell stories and do and, you know, comedic stories with heart. And people would be laughing at me like, what do you mean? What, what Movies or TV? Like, well, well, maybe both. Well, it can't be both. Uh, how about TV? I'm like, OK, yeah, TV. I'm like hour long, half hour. <laughs> okay okay half hour but if it's half hour are you going to be uh doing uh single camera or multi-camera or animated because those are all different things and you get in that box and you like yeah that's your box <laughs> it can be very very hard for even very successful people to mm-hmm. step out of the box yeah and uh, and and i am a, a person of like every every craft is its own craft and you do have to learn things but yeah. if you're a storyteller yeah, you can learn how to write a novel. You can learn how to write a movie. You know, it's not it's right. not this on, you know, climbable wall of like, how does it work? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think for me, I obviously have some baggage about that. I want people to be able to, you know, move freely and express themselves in all sorts of different ways. And I just think the High Republic uh, books have done some really great things that I would like to see on screen. Light, Light of the Jedi, I, I mean, I was reading that like I was reading a movie treatment. It, 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 that's why I love that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just think for, for the big screen and who knows where it might come, I would lo- just love to just really plumb the depths of Jedi can be lots of different characters with lots of different problems, with lots of different philosophies. And man, would I love to see more big Jedi stories on screen. Uh, that's not a bad thing with Star Wars. No, not at all. It doesn't seem like a weird thing to ask for <laughs> or desire. I'm not asking for anything. Uh, hoping, wishing. Uh, all right. Uh, any closing thoughts, Ken? No, fun discussion. Again, we you know, we'll revisit this soon, and and it's it's vital. Star Wars, Star Wars on the big screen is, is vital to to our fandom to success. And now now that we're back, once 2015 hit, well, 2012 really the sale. This is where we're at, and it's not just a, a, this hazy thing and from two generations past this is something that's present and it needs to go forward it needs to adjust it needs to grow but it needs to be star wars wow that's easy to do can't wait to see what's next yeah exactly well said so with that let's move on to letting people know where they can find us if you'd like to see the future of force center you can connect on twitter at force center pod uh, we are on instagram and youtube as well facebook pages force center podcast we're available a lot of different spots including iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music and spotify you can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center, and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. A lot of new patrons coming on recently, and we uh, love having you around. From there, you can get into our Discord server. Each week, I put up a character of the week on Monday. Uh, this week, we did Lorma Dacey, so a lot of people jumping in there 
talking about uh, Daisy, uh, one of the resistance heroes there. Uh, for me, you can follow me at Cadnapsuck or go to Cadnapsuck.com. Still time if you're in the Seattle area to get tickets for Saturday night, July 24th. Mark Ellis, Dana Bridge Gad, and myself performing stand-up comedy at the Elcor Zone Theater. For you, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, uh, links to comedy albums, links to stuff I've written, my other podcast obsessed, that is all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the mysterious future that is always in motion, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.